0: You know, church, we've been doing this series called the Book of Hebrews. We're going to be chapter by chapter by chapter. Has anybody been on the Hamilton Bypass? You know, I've been on Hamilton Bypass. You know, I've been in Hamilton now for 19 years. That makes me a Hamiltonian. I'm an equal Chiefs and Blues supporter. I love them both. Half my kids were born in Auckland. The other half were born in Hamilton. So I'm a cheese cheese blues supporter. But here's the thing. When I was living in Auckland and I was traveling to maybe to Rotorua, you know what? Here's the thing. In order to get to from Auckland to Rotorua, I have to drive through Hamilton. I'll get through, and it was a real drag. In fact, I didn't like Hamilton much because I'd get stuck in Hamilton. But guess what? Today, there's a better way. It's called the bypass. There's a better way. And you're probably, where is this going? Don't worry, we'll get there. The plane will land soon. But let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. We often, we can get stuck in our past, you know, when we start remembering things, but people will say something, you hear something, and you start to remember the trauma that's happened in your life. And we can get stuck in the trauma and the pain and the hurt, and we can get stuck there and we can't move on. Some people in this room, what you've experienced in your past has been devastating. And if we're not careful, we can get stuck there It will bury us. It will bury us. Jesus invites us to give those things, those places of pain and hurt, and give it to him. And because Jesus wants to bury that within the tomb where his body lay, and because of that, Jesus will give you a gift of life. And Jesus is our confidence. Our confidence is in Jesus. And that's what the book of Hebrews is all about that we can place our confidence in Jesus. We do not need to be stuck in our past. How how often do we play what happened over and over in our minds? I wish I never said that. I wish I could take, I wish I never did that. I wish I never reacted like that. I wish I never chose that decision. How often do we keep, we have reruns in our mind over and it's like we're trapped in this endless loop and it gives us pain. It robs us of our joy, robs us of our hope. But Jesus is a better way. We can get stuck in our pain. But Jesus is a better way. So if you've got your Bibles, turn with me to chapter 9, Hebrews chapter 9. We've been going chapter by chapter. and Hebrews 9 and 10, Hebrews, chapters 9 and 10, they, they are exploring this idea of a new covenant. And because of that, I'm going to mash these two chapters together. So if you've got, got your Bibles, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 9, verse 1. And it says this, Now the first covenant had regulations for worship. And also an earthly sanctuary. So this is talking about way in the Old Testament. Talking about the temple, the tabernacle, then the temple. And you had all these kind of strange ritual um, ceremonies, sacrificial ceremonies. And for us, it seems weird and strange. You had all these things. In order to enter into God's space, you had to do all these rituals. And then we go down to verse 6. When everything had been arranged like this, the priest... Entered the regular, uh, regularly into the outer room to carry on their ministry, but only the high priest entered the inner room. The inner room was the most holy place in the temple or the tabernacle, the most holy place. It was called the Holy of Holies, where the Shekinah glory dwelt. And they will enter this room once a year. Verse 7 carries on, and never without blood. Here's that word blood. Oh, blood. I thought we are here to worship God. What's all this blood talk? Never without blood, which he offered for himself and for the sins of people who had committed an ignorance. Right? And here's the thing. So, so if you imagine the old regulations, right? Like they got the, the tabernacle and then became the temple. And, and if God dwelt in the Holy of Holies, if his presence, his Shekinah glory was here, therefore the presence of God, what was around him was sacred space sacred space. And so if you're here, if you are a human being, any human beings in the room this morning, and so here's the thing, human, as humans we get contaminated by sin. And if we're contaminated by sin, we can't, God invites us into His presence, but we're contaminated. So before we can move, draw nearer to God, we have to be, if you're contaminated, what do you need to do? You've got to be decontaminated. So so the, the, the law Moses had these decontamination rules: sacrifice some blood of an animal, because in, in, in blood is life. Sin is death. Sin leads to death. Blood leads to life. So the, so, the blood of the animal will decontaminate us. So we can now come close. We've been decontaminated the outside, and then they will begin to sprinkle blood on the furnishing of the temple. Why? Because now you're in there. You've just you've just contaminated, Even though you'll be, you, now we gotta. Decontaminate the the whole temple. And then you go. And once a year the high priest will enter the holy of holies, and because now the whole land of Israel is contaminated every year. So then they'll begin to decontaminate all of the land once a year. But it wasn't permanent because they had to do this over and over and over again. And so this is the this is what Hebrews is talking about. That that sin contaminates us contaminates us. And, and so this whole, this whole process, this whole process really was God was teaching His people that sin is serious and that sin needs to be dealt with. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 1. And the problem with the ceremony you do, it wasn't permanent. You have to do it over and over and over again. Hebrews 10, verse 1 says this. The law is only a shadow of the good things that are coming. The law, the law of Moses, the Torah... The first five books of the of the Old Testament and the Bible, the, the, these the ceremonial laws, the temple, and all these things, all the things we got to do, right? Has anybody ever broken the Ten Commandments before? Right? Here's the thing: we struggle with the Ten Commandments. Adam and Eve only had one law, and they couldn't even obey that one. And here's us: we got to try. They had one, we had ten. In fact, not ten. The Bible tells us there's actually 613 laws. Yeah. What's the, if Adam and Eve couldn't do one? What does it say about us? Right? It's to show us that we need God. We can't do this on our own. We can't, you know, <laughs> you know we, if you're ever like me, I'm trying every good thing I try. Look, okay, I'm going to be good this week. And I do something bad. And, and I'll do another good thing. I'm good. But then I do something bad again. I go down like this. You feel like you're doing this. But you're doing more of this than anything else. You're just doing, that's why the moonwalk was invented. And so um, I'm pretty good at the moonwalk. anybody want to see me do the moonwalk? Who wants me to see, the, who wants to see the moonwalk? See a hand there? Okay, I'll do the moonwalk for you just because just I love you guys. Okay, here we go. My moonwalk, here we go. Yeah, we really didn't really get that right, did I? But anyway. more practice. <laughs> What's my wife says to me all the time? <laughs> anyway. Anyway, where were we? So the law. The law is only a shadow of the good things that are coming. Not the realities themselves. So all these things that you're doing in the temple, all the things to be decontaminated, that's just a shadow. For this reason, it can never, by the same sacrifice repeated endlessly, year after year, make perfect those who draw near to worship. It will never make you perfect because it's not permanent. You have to do this all the time, otherwise will they not have stopped being offered? For the worshipers would have been cleansed once and for all and would no longer have felt guilty for their sins. Anybody feel guilty for your sins? Right? Verse 3, but those sacrifices are an annual reminder of sins. And this is what God was teaching the people. That sin is serious to remind them. the sin needs to be dealt with. And that God is sacred space. God is sacred. And we've got to treat God, we've got to treat God not as common, but as being sacred. Verse 4, it is impossible for, I love this What it says, it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. It's impossible to take away sins right? Here's the thing, in the Bible, if you committed any serious crimes, there was no sacrifices that you could do to cover your sins. So if you're over here, you're you're going to enter God's space and they go, okay, you need to be cleansed, you need to be decontaminated of your sins because you've been contaminated. What'd you do? Committed adultery. There's nothing there for you. You know what the punishment for for adultery was in the Bible? Death. The death penalty. Any serious crime, there was no prisons. There was no jailhouses in Israel. If you had serious crime, there was only one punishment. This system wasn't perfect. This system was a decontamination process to enter into sacred space, but but it never forgave us of sins. It cleaned us on the outside, but not the inside, which is why the prophets began to prophesy that one day a new covenant will come. To deal with sin once and for all—not just the outside, but the ins from the inside out—one that is superior, one that is permanent—and that's what the, what this new covenant was pointing to. That all this system is temporary. This whole thing, this, the temple, the law—that's temporary. It, it's the old road to get to Cambridge. That's the, that's what it is. We're traveling. The, see, if you're if you're going from Auckland to Cambridge right? There's a new, hey, there's a new highway. Yeah, don't have to get stuck in Hamilton, right? And if someone said to you, no, 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 you still have to go through the old road to get there. You'll think, well, that's crazy. There's a better way. There's a better way. That is just, I'm not saying that the road through Hamilton is bad, right? It's just that it's, that road has been accomplished. It's finished its purpose because our new road is here, A new way, a far better way is there. More superior. This is inferior. That's superior. This is talking of the temple, not saying that the temple and the law of Torah is a bad thing, but it's just temporary. It's just a shadow. It was pointing forward to Jesus, that Jesus is the new covenant, that Jesus is better, that we can have confidence in Jesus. He is our high priest who dealt with sin once and for all, who washes us from the inside out. And this is what this passage is talking to and, and leading us through. You know, it's one thing, hey, you know, if you enjoy, you know, I'm, I'm not saying, look, if, if you enjoy doing the Old Testament festivals, if you enjoy celebrating that, if you enjoy celebrating the Old Testament Passover meal, if you, if you enjoy uh, observing the Sabbath day, that's, that, that's okay. That's okay. But remember, it's just a shadow pointing, pointing. It's been fulfilled. It's just a signpost pointing to the real thing. Now the real thing is here is Jesus let us not get confused between what is inferior to what is superior. Oh, you know, it's not the Sabbath, it should be on the Sabbath. That's a shadow pointing to Jesus. Let us not worship the things that are inferior, but worship the one that is superior, Jesus. Amen? Then we go on to verse 15. The Holy Spirit also testifies to us about this. First he says, this is the covenant, speaking of the new covenant. This is the covenant that I will make with them after that time, after the time of Jesus. Says the Lord, I will put my laws in their hearts. I will write them in their minds. Then he adds, their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. That when we come to Jesus, when we, when we come to Jesus and say, thank you for what you did for me on the cross, right? And, you know, and then that time we're, we're, we're by ourselves and we start replaying, what we did wrong, and oh my gosh. you know. And then if we try to remind God of what we did, you know what God will say to you? He goes, I don't know what you're talking about. Because what Jesus has done for you, your sins have been cast as far as the east is to the west. I don't know what you're talking about. Because my love for you will transform you when you put your trust in me. Verse 18, And there... And where there's been forgiven, sacrifice for sin is no longer necessary. See, blood represents represents life, and sin represents death, and it contaminates us. So death has to be conquered. In order for death to be conquered, something has to die and then come back to life. Only God can do that. But here's the thing. How can an eternal being, an eternal being, How can an eternal being die? An eternal being can't die, which is why God, who loves you so much, steps into his creation and he bounds himself in flesh, in the fullness of Jesus, and on the cross, he dies for your sins. But three days later, he conquers death once and for all, meaning all those who receive him and what he has done, you have been forgiven. Now, if you receive Jesus now, you're forgiven oh, one day when your life is perfect. One day when you've got all the ducks in a row. One day if you just keep coming to church every Sunday, keep reading your Bible, keep tithing. Keep, one day when you've got all that happening, uh, then you'll be accepted by Jesus. No, no, you accept Jesus now, you're forgiven now. And you're accepted by him when? Judgment Day. On the the end of days, if you reject Jesus now, you're rejected by Him when? On Judgment Day. You know what that means? Judgment Day, which means as long as there's still breath in your lungs, and if you haven't received them, the door is always open. Heavenly Father is chasing after you with goodness. He has not given up on you. You may have turned your back on God. He has never turned His back on you. As long as there's breath, come on. He loves you. He loves you. Back to my notes. What am I talking about again? Oh, here we go. (laughs) See, it was life and not death that won out. I love that. It was life, not death, that won out. His blood on the cross decontaminates us from the inside out and it's permanent. It's permanent, which means that we can draw near to God, right? God's presence, He is sacred, and which means God, the blood of Jesus covers us and, and washes us clean. That's why it uses this kind of strange language that we think is kind of barbaric. But it's this symbolism, a picture, which means we can enter His presence regardless of what we did last night, regardless of what we did just before we walked into this building. It means that you, through the blood of Jesus, can come before His presence and say, God, I'm sorry, I've missed. I can't do this. I've tried to do it in my life. This is what happens when, when, when our life is based on performance when we, when we think it's all about performance, it's all about what I have to do, right? And the reason why you stopped going to church is because you thought you were unworthy for church. Because we've got this thing stuck in our mind. By default, we think we have to earn God's love. Here's, this is something you need to know. God already loves you. He is love. There's nothing you can do to make Him love you more, just like there's nothing you can do to make Him love you less. He loves you. And when we receive Christ, the blood of Jesus covers you. Regardless of what you do, you can enter his throne, throne room. The lie of the enemy will make you believe that he doesn't love you. The lie of the enemy will make you believe that you can't enter the sacred space. And it keeps us away from God. Then, what The Bible says, draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. Here's the thing. God didn't go anywhere. It was us. He's waiting, his arms open wide. He says, draw near, near to me and I'll draw near to you. You draw near because I'm here. Because he loves you. He loves you. I'm going to go to verse 26. Now here's the thing. Verse 26 is very controversial. Conf- very controversial. And it's been used. I've heard it used out of context so much. And the reason why I say this word, it's conf- confidential, is because if you've just kind of like started thinking about what's for lunch, I wanted to bring you back here because this word, oh, it's, it's um, confidential. No. <laughs> what's the word, portal? I'm looking for? Controversial controversial. Hey man, I've I got my school C Manga to College. That's all i got to say about that. Yeah, don't play, that's right. Don't blame Mangere College. Actually. That's 100% true. Mangere, one of the greatest schools in New Zealand. Did you know two all blacks came from my high school? Frank Bunce and all five. Anyway, let's carry on. Here we go. My wife always sees me. Don't have to say anything that goes through your mind. Here we go. Here it is. This is the verse. What is it? Verse 26. This is what it says, and it's been taken out of context so many times. This is what it says. If we deliberately keep on sinning after we have received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sin is left, but only a fearful expectation of judgment of the raging fire, judgment day, that will consume the enemies of God. All right? And when we take this verse out of context, if we take this verse out of the book of Hebrews, right? Because when we read it, because when we and, and regardless of what the rest of what the book of Hebrews was talking about, we put it in isolation. We can fall in the trap of thinking that, that, that it's about my performance, that I have to perform in order for God to accept me. I have to perform in order for me to come into His presence. I fall into this trap of thinking that if I commit this particular sin, or maybe I've got this bad habit that, that, that I can't break it, that, that I will lose my salvation. I can never get into his place because of what I was doing. Whatever. See, that's not what this passage is saying. And maybe the reason why you stop going to church is because you believe this passage. You believe, maybe you, if you believe this passage like that, then you have believe the lie of the enemy who wants to separate you from God. Because what this passage is talking about in context with the rest of the book of Hebrews, it's the, the sinning here that it's talking about is rejecting the work of, of the cross, of rejecting Jesus. It's saying that, you know what, when I was 21, I, I said that magic prayer, I received the Lord Jesus and my Lord and Savior. And then boom, you know, I've, I've said the magic words and now I am saved. But 20 years later, I reject it. I don't believe in that stuff anymore. In fact, I believe in Nothing. That's what it's talking about, rejection, after you know the truth. Because it's, it's not about what we do or what we don't do. It's about faith. We're saved by faith alone. Faith in what Jesus has done for us. And the writer of Hebrews is trying to tell us, don't lose your faith. Don't stop believing. Finish this race to the end. Life is going to be hard. It's going to be tough. It's not talking about whether you struggle with God or not we've all had struggles it's not talking about you. it's not talking about you can struggle with God and question God and all these things but as long as you're holding on but God I don't know why my granddaughter had cancer I, I, I don't know why that just keeps coming back and I, I, I don't know why um, all these things are happening in my children's lives but, but God I hold on to you everything else around me may be falling down but God I hold on to you and that's what it's talking about don't lose your faith. It's okay to doubt. It's okay to question things. It's okay. If your kid comes home to you and says to you, well, you know, I don't think God is real. It's okay. It's not the end of the world, okay? It's okay. Allow them to question. Don't shut them down. Because if you shut them down, they'll no longer speak to you. But say, oh, okay, that's great. Let's, let's, let's have a discussion. Let's be open. Right? Relation. The, the saddest thing in my life is my kids will stop, will stop coming to me when there's a train wreck in their life. And that's exactly the same of God. No matter what train wreck has come into your life, His heart is open to come to me. All those who are weary, and I will give you rest. This rest, the Sabbath, it's a shadow pointing to my rest that I will give to you. What does this mean for us? It means that we can have confidence in Jesus. We don't have to be trapped into to this performance-based living. Because here's the thing. We think, oh, does this mean that, oh, is this Hebrews telling me that, that uh, oh, I can, I can do whatever I want in my life? Just as long as I believe. No, it's not saying that. It's so easy for You can switch, swing the other way around. It's, it's, it's not saying that at all. It's saying the more time, it's about relationship. And my relationship with my wife is meant to grow. When I started going out of a portal, there was stuff that she didn't like about me. But guess what? She loves now. All the good stuff like reading her Bible, praying watching Star Wars and Star Trek and Marvel Cinematic Universe. And so things like that, all that good stuff, yeah? And then all of a sudden, the more time I speak with Porter, the more I become like her and I love all this other, she loves like boxing and, and, and handyman stuff, yeah. But if I said to my wife, hey, you know what, I love you, babe, but then I disrespected her every moment I saw her. In fact, I didn't spend any time with her. I spent all my nights with all the other ladies all the leaders, right? But I say, hey, just as long as I love her, right? And you'll be like, you fool. Your actions don't show that you love her. See, good works can never never lead to salvation. But good works shows my love for my wife. And the more time you spend with God, it's a relationship. It's not about your performance of what you don't do. It's about come to me. You know, when we first came to this church um, under 19 years ago. Portal, she says, we should go to church. (laughs) And I was like, nah, don't want to go to church. you you know why? Because my belief is performance-based. We're not good enough. We're not even married. We've got like five kids, not married. In fact, there's stuff that I'm doing that I still want to be doing. And you're not supposed to do stuff like that at church. We go anyway, and at the end of the service at Elam, she responds and she gives her heart to Jesus. And as she's walking up to the front, I grab her hand and I pull her back and I say, don't do it because I'm not ready. And so I I, no, "I wasn't not that I'm not ready. I said, look, I'm not good enough. Because when we get stuck in this performance-based mentality, we believe the lie of the enemy. that It's about how well you do before God. You've got to earn your trust. When we get stuck in it, it keeps us away from God. It's the reverse. And I was praying to God. God, you—you you wouldn't want someone like me in this church. You—you you know my life isn't good. You know the stuff that I'm doing right now. And God said to me, and a clever, honestly, talk about—I never heard the voice of God. This is what God said to me. He said to me, "Come as you are." And I said, "But God, you know what I'm doing." And He goes, "That's okay. Just come. Come as you are. I'll deal with that. that with that stuff. Here's the thing. God loves you as you are. He invites you to come as you are." But he loves you too much for you to stay the same. And the more times you draw near to him and stay in his presence, his love will transform you. It didn't happen overnight, but just like Pantene, it will happen. Conditioner, but didn't happen. Anyway. Don't even know why I went to Pantene Conditioner, but it doesn't happen overnight, but it will happen. And my life began to change. So I'm here to tell you the book of Hebrews. Book of Hebrews. This is it. It was pointing that these, these things were pointing to the real McCoy, Jesus. We can have our confidence in Jesus. It is what Jesus did for us on the cross that He loved you so much that He stepped into His creation that on the cross, He died for, your, for all your sins, for your greatest regrets, to set you free. And the more times you're in the presence of, of Jesus, your life will change. He will transform you. Those things you're struggling with, the more time you're with the Creator, honestly, He knows you like nothing else. You don't need to hide. You don't need to run. But the enemy will try to whisper it's by performance. And that's what keeps us away from God. But come to Him. Run to Him, not run away. Because we can have our confidence in Jesus. Come on, let, let me pray.